And last night we dealt with the outer court stuff. We let stuff go. We forgave. We, we renounced. We, um, we just cleansed the heart. Came before the Lord. And we're believing that the blood of Jesus washes you and cleanses you of all unrighteousness. We let stuff go. Who left some stuff here at the altar last night? By the look of the cross on both sides, people had some stuff to lay down. Amen. And then there's the inner court. This is a place where there's revelation. This is where there's fresh bread. This is where God wants to speak to you and show you things. And this is where the incense and your prayers come up before God. And then we're going to go into that place of uh, the glory of God. That's what I'm believing, that each and every one of you are going to step into a place where there's no more words, there's no more prayers, there's no more of the flesh, there's no more of self. And the only thing that you have is a face-to-face encounter with God where it's just you and Him and His Spirit is just, just imparting into your spirit and your life being totally transformed in His glory. Can you say amen? And so this whole weekend, we're just taking steps into that place. And I'm excited. For those who are hungry, those who are thirsty, those who are pressing in, you're going to tap what God has for you this weekend. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Go to um, Habakkuk. Habakkuk. There's Malici, the Italian prophet. And then there's Habakkuk. We just have fun with these guys' names. It's the Book of Palms. Uncle Joe helped us with that. Some of you may not understand that, but it's okay. I know Habakkuk is in my Bible. It's a very small book. You could miss it. It's right between Nahum, Nahum, and Zephaniah. And in chapter 2, it says, I will climb up to my watchtower. I will stand at my guard post. And there I will wait to see what the Lord says. And it says here in the New Living how he will answer my complaint. But in other versions, it says how I will respond when I'm corrected. And so what we need to do is we need to climb. This whole weekend, that encounter that I had, the vision that I had in May last year, I was just spending time in the presence of the Lord like we were in here this morning. And... I went into a vision where I saw a key appear in front of me. Everybody grab your key. Say, I have a key. This is the year of the open door. God has given you a key and he's opening a door to some brand new things, brand new realms, brand new opportunities. Look at somebody and tell them God has got some brand new opportunities for you in this season. And you will not miss the opportunities God is going to give you. He's setting you up. And so in this encounter, this key was given to me. It went into this door, into this golden 
lock. And when the key went into the lock, I could actually see the mechanism in the door that had to unlock. And I knew that there was no way, nobody with their wisdom, no thief, no safe-cracking ninja could break this lock. Look at the person next to you and say, Isaiah 22, 22. Let's read that really quickly. I want you to hold your space there in Habakkuk and go to Isaiah 22, 22. And it says, I will give him the key to the house of David, the highest position in the royal court. And when he opens doors, no one will be able to close them. And when he closes doors, no one will be able to open them. And so I did not know that there was this place in the spirit, this tower that was filled with books on the wisdom of God. I had no, pla- no idea this place existed. Have you ever been somewhere and you're like, I didn't know this place was here? You drive some back roads of Fort Pierce and you can be shocked at what you find in the neighborhoods. I didn't know. Well, there's places in heaven. There's heavenly places. Look at somebody and say, there's heavenly places. God has a house. He has a home. He has a kingdom. There's the city of God. In the city of God, there's streets of gold. There's the river of life flowing from his throne through the city. There are trees of life. There are citizens in heaven. There are saints that live in heaven. It's a real place. Hell is a real place too. And there are things that God wants to show you in his kingdom. Uh, You have access to God's house through Christ Jesus. He's the way, the truth, and the life. He is the door to the kingdom of God. Nobody gets in there. Say nobody. Nobody, nobody, nobody gets in there unless he opens that door. And in the spirit, God wants to reveal things to you to show you things about who God is, about his kingdom, about who you are, about your assignment, your purpose. He has things that he's prepared for you to do. And we want to know the things God has for us. Can you say amen? Last night we spoke about abracadabra. Who was here last night? That comes from a Jewish phrase meaning I will create by what has been spoken. And a lot of people are trying to create their lives based on what people speak, based on what the enemy is speaking. But we want to align our lives with heaven so that the glory of God can shine through us. And so the Lord wants to show you things. And Jesus wants to open some brand new doors in your life, some brand new things in the Spirit. And in this encounter, I went into this room and there were books all around me. Leather books. They were old leather books and they had no titles on any of them. And then on one of the books in front of me, the word wisdom appeared in golden light letters. And so I pulled the book off the shelf and I opened it. And I was surprised when I opened the book in this encounter because the pages were gold translucent light. There were no words but it was a very deep book. I, could, I felt like it was a deep well I was looking into. 
And out of the depth of this book came the scripture, Proverbs 3.15. Look at the person next to you and tell him wisdom is more precious than rubies and nothing you desire. Say it again. Say nothing that I desire compares to it. I didn't know what Proverbs 3.15 was. I had no idea. And then suddenly, while I'm thinking about what Proverbs 3.15 is, I begin to ascend in this room. It was a round room, I discovered. Because as I went up, it felt like it was getting narrower. But there were books all around me, all the way to the ceiling. And then when I got to the ceiling, I just phased right through it. And then I was sitting in a media room. I didn't know it was a media room until the lights came on. But I sat in this dark place for just a moment. And then suddenly... The lights came on in the room, and I saw a TV screen in front of me. It was 180 degrees is what I could see, but I knew it went all the way around me. And while I'm sitting there looking at the screen, I get transported through the screen to see the place that I'm sitting in. And I realized that I was sitting in a lighthouse library that, was, that contained books that were filled with the wisdom of God. And what I realized is... We're going to climb our watchtower. That's what Habakkuk is saying right here. I'm going to climb my watchtower and I'm going to stand at my guard post. And there I will wait to see what the Lord says and how I will respond when I'm corrected. Look at somebody and tell them God corrects the children he loves. If you're not being corrected by the Lord, that means he probably doesn't love you. I'm just telling you what the scripture says. So how does God correct you? Does he put sickness on you? Does he put disease on you? Does he make you poor and make you suffer? Let me tell you how God corrects you. <laughs> he says, Adam, where are you? And that'll mess you up. I find that a lot of the time when God corrects me, He just asks me a question. And in the question, you suddenly realize, uh-oh. God corrects you through His Word. When God speaks to you, He corrects you. His Word comes and cuts things out of your life. When you encounter the Lord, you automatically get corrected because your eyes see the truth. And when you know the truth, the truth sets you free. God doesn't have to use punishment to correct His children. His Word is powerful enough. His presence is powerful enough. The light shines into darkness. It transforms you. And so, the Lord wants us to come and stand in His presence and wait to be corrected. Lord, correct me. If there's any place in my life that is not pleasing to you, God, then make the adjustments. Show me the places where I'm wrong, God, where I'm out of alignment. Lord, if you don't keep me in check, I know I will go astray. Those are the types of prayers I pray when I come to the Lord. I don't really come to the Lord asking Him for anything. I come to the Lord to know what's on His heart. I come to the Lord and I say, Lord, help me become better. Help me be transformed and changed into the image of Your Son. Help change my mind. 
Help change the way I think, God. And you'll be surprised at the things the Lord will show you and the things the Lord will tell you. But you have to wait on Him. I will climb my watchtower and I'll stand and I will wait. Look at somebody and tell them there's a price to pay to hear from the Lord. And it's called waiting. We live in the United States of America and we want everything instantly. If I order from Amazon and it doesn't arrive in 24 hours, I'm highly upset. If I go into the drive-thru and my order is not done in 90 seconds, I'm irritated. We live in this fast-paced society where everything is instant. You, you, don't have to, you don't have to cultivate anything. You don't have to wait for anything. We expect everything to be handed to us when we want it, how we want it. And if we don't get it, then we get upset. <clears throat> but it's not like that with God. The price to pay is waiting. Taking your watch off, putting it aside, and say, I'm going to wait here until the Lord speaks to me. I'm going to press in until I touch heaven. And that's the kind of attitude that you need to have when you come into the presence of the Lord. God's not on your timetable. You're on His. You're the child. He's the parent. We don't tell God what to do. God tells us what to do. And so that attitude that's in our minds about what we think about God, we need to make some adjustments in our thinking. God is not here to serve us. We're here to serve the Lord. We were created to worship Him. We were created for His good pleasure. We were created for His purposes. We were created to do the good works He prepared for us long ago. And so, Lord, I want to know the things that you've prepared for me. I want to know the purpose for my life. I want to know why I'm here and what I can do to bring glory and honor to your name in the 120 years that you've given me on this earth. And some of you should stop wanting to die at 80 and you should live to 120. If I can just make it to 80. Well, God said you got 120. So why cut your life 40 years short? You know how much you can do in 40 years? You can get one third of your life back. All that wisdom, all that experience, and you're going to just die? When you're young, you're stupid. You don't know anything. For the people in the back. You think you know everything. When testosterone hits your mind, you think you're invincible. Like, you know everything. My dad doesn't know anything. I know everything. <laughs> and just because you get the Holy Ghost and you taste of heaven doesn't mean you know more than God. Suddenly you experience God for the first time and now you know more than the pastor. I got it. I know. You don't know anything. Shut up. Sit down. 
And so when, you know, when the kids have left the house and you've got grandkids and you, you grow up and you get a lot of wisdom and you know how things work. And we've got people in this church that carry wisdom and understanding and, and you've got some free time on your hands. Use these years to do something for the kingdom. Make an impact. Make a difference. And I'm here to tell you, the Lord, you're not retiring. You're getting four new tires and you're going to keep going. God's got some great things for those that are seniors in this house. Can you say amen? amen. Say brand new things. And so we have to wait on the Lord. Jesus said, I don't do anything unless I hear the Father. I don't say anything unless the Father says it. And I don't do anything unless I see the Father doing it. I'm going to be about my Father's business. We can come up with a lot of great ideas. But we need to tap the wisdom of God for our lives. And when you tap the wisdom of God for your life, man, you know that you're in line with what God has for you. And you're not responsible to make it happen in a sense. You enter a place of rest. Say rest. Say when I access the wisdom of God, I enter into His rest. You're not struggling to figure things out anymore. You enter in the rest of God and God begins to reveal things to you. He begins to show you things and He leads you step by step. And so I want to encourage each and every one of you, you need to have a place where you can write down what God says to you. Whether it's digital on a, on a tablet or if it's old school, pen and paper. And in my journals that I have, on the front page, I always write God's words to me. Everybody say God's words to me. These are things that come out of the mouth of the Lord and the things that the Lord speaks to you directly. I don't use my journal to write about my day. I don't use my journal to just come up with stuff. I use my journals to write in there visions, dreams, encounters, the things that the Lord says to me. Prophetic words, things that I have stepped out to do and I saw breakthroughs, I record them in my journals so that I have record of things that I can go back and look at it and see what God has done, what God has said. Why is it important? Because the Bible says in the book of John that if you pray according to His will, you can be confident that He will give you the things that you ask for. Well, if I write down in my journal what God says to me, I have the will of God for my life written in my book. And when I go into my prayer closet, I'm not trying to make stuff up that I'm praying about. I'm praying in line with what God said to me. Can you say amen? So for example, I remember when um, the Lord spoke to me. This was, uh, wow, last century. It was a long time ago. But I was in America about a year and Misty and I were starting to date. We were always, we were best friends. We were hanging out. We were doing ministry together. We were soul winning together. We were always together. But I didn't know if I wanted to marry her. I was kind of skeptical about getting married. We knew we liked each other. And I was on the phone with her one night. And it was around 9 o'clock. And I said goodbye. I clicked the phone off. 
And while I was sitting there, right in front of me, a scroll unrolled, like in midair. A scroll unrolled in front of me. I had an open vision. I saw writing on the scroll that I did not understand. It rolled up and disappeared, and instantly I knew Misty was my wife. So I picked up the phone. I called her back. I said, we're getting married. That was my proposal. And she said, okay. And one week later, we were married in her mother and father's house at the fireplace. Pastor Selena, Misty's sister, called everybody and said, if you want to be at Nick and Misty's wedding, you better get to the house. She got a cake from Publix. Misty grabbed the only white dress she had in her closet. It was like a little mini skirt, and I had well, like one black suit. I put that on, and we were married because we didn't care about anything else. We just wanted to be together, and this is what the Lord said, and so we just obeyed the Lord. But there came a day where Misty and I got into an argument or two. No. No marriages ever have arguments or fights. Look at the person next to you. <laughs> Say, when you get married, you're just beginning to understand what marriage is all about. It starts the process of the two becoming one. And there's a lot of dying that you have to do to yourself to be united as one. And so we had a few moments. And, you know, one of those moments, she threw the ring at me and said, we're done. And so I didn't beat her up. I didn't call her mother and say, deal with your daughter. I didn't round up my friends and get drunk and say, it's stupid. Let's drink our sorrows. Let's get high. No, I got a case of water and I drove to a hotel and I made a decision that I was going to fast and pray. And I took my wedding ring and held it before the Lord. And I said, Lord, on December 2nd, 1999, my wife and I made a covenant before you, God. And you are the center of our covenant, Lord God. And I, I said to the Lord, you told me in an open vision that Misty was my wife and that you had a plan for our lives together, Lord God. And there is no devil in hell that is going to separate what you put together, God. Praying in the Holy Ghost. Drinking water. Fasting. Praying. Crying out to God. Lord, where do I need to be corrected? Where does she need to be corrected? Next morning, it's like that whole assignment broke and everything worked out. And so when you get a word from the Lord, it's good to write it down so that in your prayer time, you've got something God said that you can stand on, that you can fight with. Because the devil wants to steal God's word from you. He doesn't want you to have what God said belongs to you. And there is a fight. It's not a fight in the flesh. It's called the good fight of faith. You say, why are you telling me this? Because when you get wisdom from the Lord, the devil wants to take that wisdom from you. 
He doesn't want you to walk in the wisdom of God. He doesn't want you to walk in the blessing of God. And you got to know what God said to you. It can't be, I think God said, maybe God said. No, you got to know that you know that you know. When God speaks to you, according to the book of Hebrews, Hebrews 11.1, what does that say? Now, faith is substance. Say, faith is substance. Where does faith come from? Faith comes from hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Luke 4.4 4 says, man shall not live by bread alone. Deuteronomy 8.3 says, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Go to Proverbs. Proverbs 2.6. For the Lord gives wisdom and from his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. So when the Lord speaks to you, he's speaking wisdom to you. He's imparting knowledge and understanding into your life. And we need to live by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Can you say amen? And so when you get a word from the Lord, and it's truly the Lord speaking to you, there's this stuff called faith substance. Everybody say faith substance. It's going to drop in your heart. And faith substance is a confidence that you have that what God said is going to happen. Look at the person next to you and say, faith substance, when it drops in your heart, you're going to get confidence on the inside of you that what God said is already done. It's already happened. There's, a, there's, an, there's a knowing on the inside of you that you cannot doubt when God speaks to you. When the Lord showed me that Misty was my wife, I didn't have any doubts. I knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that that was my wife. And I still know it today. And so there comes this stance that you take and you get your authority from the Word of God. Look at somebody and tell them, Say, Jesus is King of kings. He's Lord of lords. He has all authority and all power. He's seated at the right hand of God the Father as King of the universe. He has all authority and all power. The book of John tells us, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Say, Jesus is the Word of God. He's the living Word. He has all authority. The place you get your authority from is the Word of God. And when God speaks to you, living Word enters your heart. It gets written on the tablet of your heart. When God speaks, God is light. Everybody say, God is light. And in Him there is no darkness. When God speaks, His words get inscribed on the tablets of your heart. It is branded into you. It is burnt into you. People say, I think I heard the Lord. You didn't hear Him. Because when God speaks, wisdom comes out of His mouth. When God speaks, you have eyes to see, ears to hear, and a heart to know what the Spirit of God is saying. When God speaks, the light shines in darkness and it gets branded on you. It's not a maybe or I think so. And when you get that Word of God and it's in you and it's living Word and it goes into your bones, it's like fire on the inside of you. And you have authority from that Word to do what God said you can do. 
I don't care what anybody else thinks. I don't care what anybody else says. If God says you can do it, you can do it. He gave you the authority. He's the king. He's the Lord. He owns it all. And if he gives you an assignment, then he's empowered you to do it. And he'll watch over his word to perform it. And at any time you get stuck on the journey, you say, God, you said. And I need help understanding what you need me to do next, God. Everything that we've built, we've built on the Word of God. Look at the person next to you say, you've got to build everything on a solid foundation on the living Word of God. See, this isn't a covenant of laws. This is a covenant of the Spirit. Say, I'm not living under a covenant of written laws. I'm living in the covenant of the Spirit. And we need to be led by the Spirit of God. Can you say amen? Look at the person next to you and tell them, if you want to have the spoken word, then you need to obey the written word. If you won't obey what's written, you don't position yourself to receive what's spoken. If you can't obey what Jesus wrote in the Bible, then you don't position yourself to hear anything out of the mouth of God because you're still rebellious. I'm just giving you some nuggets, giving you some wisdom, how this thing works. Because I want you to be successful. Can you say amen? Go to the book of Matthew. See, I had an outline for this morning, but I'm not up here just doing my outline. I'm just following the leading of the Holy Ghost in what I'm sharing with you. Can you say amen? So in the book of Matthew... You might think I prepared this, but I didn't. Wow, it was so well put together. No, nope, that wasn't me. Matthew 7, verse 24. Jesus speaking. Anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise. Who wants to be wise? We need to follow what Jesus says. Like a person who builds a house on a solid rock. Say, so if you want to be wise, you've got to follow what Jesus says. And if you'll obey what Jesus says, you will build your life on a solid, unshakable foundation. It says, though the rain comes in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against that house, it will not collapse because it is built on bedrock. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish, like a person who builds a house on sand. And when the rains and the floods come and the winds beat against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. Family, when you build your house on the Word of God and the wisdom of God, your life will never crash. You will be building on a solid foundation that is unshakable because you have built it on what God said. And in the kingdom, the kingdom of God is unshakable. And what I've come to learn over 30 years of ministry is that every time there is a storm, it's actually the grace of God coming to your life. 
Really? Yep. Because anything that is not built on the Word of God will collapse off your life. And what will remain is what God said. But if the storm comes and there's nothing about what God said, then your whole life falls apart. But let's say you're growing in the wrong direction. You did something the Lord did not say to do. When the storm comes, that thing gets pruned. And what remains is only what God said. And I don't see storms as the devil attacking me. I see storms as the grace of God to remove from my life what does not belong in my life. Because what he said and what he's established will stand and it cannot be taken from me. Can you say amen? And so, Lord, let the storm judge how I have built. Send the storm so that I can see what is on your foundation and what is on sand. What's on the opinions of people, what is my opinion, and what is not solid. Sometimes people exit our lives. There are some people that need to exit your life in this season. Because where God is taking you, He needs to bring some new relationships around you so He can open some brand new doors. Look at the person next to you and tell him, do not be afraid of new relationships. And don't get so comfortable because God's getting ready to do some stuff out of your life. So there's a pruning coming for where we're going. He has to prune some things so we can grow better and produce more fruit. Can you say amen? Now, I know this too, is that once you're ready in the flow of the things of the Spirit and you're building according to the Spirit, there's always new seasons of growth in line with what God's already done in the past. And it continues to expand. And at any point in your life, you can say, Lord, I'm done. And you can give up on the process. And family, we're not giving up. Look at the person next to you and say, I'm not giving up. There's some brand new things God has for me in this season. Brand new things. And so I want to encourage you, write down the things God speaks to you. And in your prayer time, go into your prayer closet and begin to pray into those things. Anytime that you get stuck, you can go back to God and you can say, God, you said. Lord, you said if I ask for wisdom that you would give it to me. I'm not doing my own thing here, God. I'm doing what you've called me to do. And I need assistance in dealing with a mountain that's in front of me. I need the wisdom, God, to deal with this circumstance. God, I need this resource to get what you've called me to do done. And you will see that when you pray in line with what God's will is, God always answers your prayers. Look at somebody and tell them your prayers are going to go to another level this year. Go to Matthew chapter 16. I just want to touch on this briefly because it's so good. Matthew chapter 16. Verse 13, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, 
He asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? Well, they replied, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, others Jeremiah, one of the prophets. And then he said to them, but who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah or the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus replied, you are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. There are things that the Lord himself is going to speak to you. And when the Lord speaks to you, this is what happens. Next verse. Now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock. And upon this rock I will build my church and the powers of hell will not conquer it. And I will give you keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you forbid or bind on earth, whatever you close on earth, will be closed or forbidden in heaven. And whatever you release on earth or permit on earth or open on earth will be opened in heaven. You see, when you get revelation from the Father, God speaks wisdom into your life. God gives you authority and he gives you binding and loosing power. He gives you the ability to open things and close things according to the assignment he's given you. You become solid because God said it. And he said the gates of hell will not conquer you. There is no power in hell that can stop the assignment God gives you when wisdom is handed to you. When the word of the Lord is spoken to you, when faith substance gets deposited into your heart, when you choose to obey what God said and step out, when you pray in line with what God said, what God has shown you, what God has spoken to you, you have authority to execute it on earth. Can you say amen? Say, the gates of hell are going to be broken down because I have power and authority to take territory. It said the gates of hell shall not prevail. When you've got gates, you're trying to protect something. And I'm here to tell you, we're not sitting in a church building protecting ourselves from the Antichrist, waiting for Jesus to come rescue us. No, we are the church of Jesus Christ. We are the holy ones. We are the saints of God. We are children of the Most High God. We're sons and daughters of God that are growing up and stepping into our authority. We're going to get our assignments from heaven. We're going to have authority from heaven to go to the devil's territory and rip his gates out and go Take what he currently holds. Say we're advancing and we're taking territory for the kingdom of God. This is what happens when God speaks to you. This is what happens when you get the wisdom of God for your life. You know, and I realized from that encounter that I had, I mean, I operated in it, but I saw it in a whole new way. That if you'll just sit and wait for the Lord to show you on the screen of your imagination what is written in His books. That's what that wisdom tower is. It's a place that you come to in stillness with God where you wait for Him to open the library and speak to you. Your imagination should not be used to dream up things that are not holy and of God. 
Your imagination is the place where God wants to speak, where He wants to give visions, and He wants to give dreams. And you have to consecrate your imagination to Him. You have to guard your eyes, and you have to guard your ears. And the Bible says, guard your heart. He didn't say guard your spirit. He said, guard your heart. And every day you have an opportunity for your imagination, your eyes, and your ears to wander. And when they start wandering and it gets full in your heart, your mouth begins to speak. And when you speak, you actually frame the world you live in. You will eat what you speak. And if you don't currently like your life, you have to change how you think and what you say. Change the channel. Everybody go, change that channel. You climb on the roof and adjust the antennas. <laughs> Turn it to the left. And then broken leg. It fell off the roof. Go to Proverbs chapter 9, verse 1. Oh, this is really going to drop in you today. This has been stirring in me like all morning. 9 verse 1, wisdom has built her house, and she has carved its seven columns. Look at somebody and say, wisdom builds. Say it again. Say, wisdom builds. Go to Proverbs 14.1. A wise woman builds her home, but a foolish woman tears it down with her own hands. I feel this so strong in my spirit that in this season, we're only going to build things up. And we're no longer going to tear things down. We're not going to allow the enemy to tear down what God wants to build. And I want to encourage married couples to get into unity about building for the kingdom of God. I grew up in a household where my mom and dad were divided. They didn't see eye to eye. They were both very hardworking, very skilled, awesome people. But because they couldn't work together never built anything. It always collapsed. It always fell down. It always, they were always just struggling. And as a husband and a wife, as a man, you have to discover the gift that God has given to you. You have to understand that you're just 50% of the picture and she's the other 50%. Wife, you have to understand that you're 50% and he's the other 50%. And when the two of you are united in the spirit and you've both heard from heaven, then you need to work together to build what God is calling you to build. And don't fight what God wants to build. And that means there's a laying down of your life to build the kingdom. 
And I remember, I remember in 2007, I was working for another ministry. And all of a sudden, I didn't know it was coming, but the Lord was preparing us to launch the church. The, the vision that He had given us. And um, that He had prepared for us. And we got into a season where the Lord really started scrubbing our hearts. There was a season where the Lord would wake me up with dreams in the middle of the night and scare me. Like, scare me. Like, my children being eaten in front of me. And all kinds of waves coming to crash on me. And waking up in the middle of the night with visions from God that terrified me. And I would go to the porch and to the other room, and I'd be crying out to God saying, God, I don't know what I've done wrong, but I don't want to die. I don't want my kids to die. And the Lord would begin to speak to me and say, you need to clean this up in your life. You've done this wrong. You've done that wrong, and you need to fix it. Nobody hears those stories. One season where the Lord wanted to bring increase into our lives financially, the Lord said to me, you've made two vows to people that you have not fulfilled. And I had to go fulfill those vows that I had made. Don't make a vow to God and think you're getting away with it. He remembers the vows you've made to Him. God, if you'll get me out of this situation, I promise you. Oh, oh. And there's some things that the Lord is going to hold you to. You made a promise to Him. You've made a commitment to Him. And you need to fulfill those commitments. I don't know where I was, but I dropped that bomb. And so in that year, the Lord really just started breaking my heart clean, fixing things up in my life. And then people would come around and start prophesying to me. The Lord is getting ready to do something fantastic in your life. All these amazing words. And I would just look at them and I'm like, okay, I don't know what you're talking about. And then we went to a conference. We went up to the river, and I was taking the youth up to the conference every year. And I had an expectation in my spirit that God was going to do something, but I didn't know what it was. And when I got to the conference, I was looking at Pastor Rodney, because... <laughs> This is how it worked in old church world. I don't know what era of church you grew up in, but if you grew up in, in the church world I grew up in, the man of God would call you out from the crowd. And then he would speak a, a word over you. And then somehow that whole moment would launch you, catapult you into this ministry that God has for you. And so I had my eyes on the guy doing this thing. This is how it's done. This is what I'm expecting. I'm here to tell you God's going to do things that you're not expecting in a way that you've never expected Him to do it. He lives outside of the box that you've created, by the way. BTW. And while I was sitting in this meeting, nothing happened. It's Thursday now. Being there all week. We're leaving Saturday. God, when? I know something's brewing. I know something's about to happen. But when is this thing going to happen? And I'm getting frustrated with the Lord. Sitting in that meeting, the end of the meeting comes. Pastor Rodney starts praying. And when he starts praying, he starts breaking the fear of man and looking at man. And I had no idea that my eyes were on him and not on the Lord. 
And in that meeting, suddenly while he was praying, I saw a darkness come off my mind. And this darkness, when it came off my mind, it opened a tunnel that I began to travel through. And when I got to the other side of the tunnel, I was in a dark room. And suddenly the light turned on in the room. And I was face to face with a lion. And at that moment, the Lord shifted my focus from looking to man to look to him. There was something that had to break off my mind. It was by his grace that he delivered me from that trap. Can you say amen? And I'm believing that there's things that you're stuck in and trapped in in your mind. That in this weekend and this season, God is going to start breaking you free from the things that have you bound where you can't see him and what he has for you. We're not looking to man. We're looking to the Lord. Can you say amen? And I tell you, when you have face-to-face encounters with God, your whole life begins to shift. And then the very next day, he called us out. We were a group of about 25 teens that had gone up to the conference. He said, is that group from Fort Pierce here? And we ran up there. Pastor Melanie, who's in South Africa, where we launched Club Pure South Africa, she was with me in that meeting. Two years she went with me to those meetings, being empowered and the Lord, the Lord just wrecking all of us. And when he laid hands on me, he didn't even lay hands on me. He walked by me and he said, fire. And when he said fire, I felt this. I saw it. It was like a gas flame throwing fire that came up and hit me. And when it hit me, I went, oh, one of those moments right there. And then lightning. Look at the person next to you and say lightning. And I got my, I, I don't know how to explain it. The only way that I can explain it is I got hit by a lightning bolt. And um, it was such a flash of bright light that exploded in my head that I screamed and I fell to the ground. You say, well, is that even possible? Oh, yeah. Go to Acts chapter 9. Why do you think I've been telling you to put your lightning rods in the air the last two days? Well, the person next to you say, the lightnings of God are coming. In Acts chapter 9, meanwhile, Saul was uttering threats with every breath and was eager to kill the Lord's followers. This guy thought he was doing God a service, you know. So he went to the high priest. He requested letters addressed to the synagogues in Damascus, asking for their cooperation in the arrest of any followers of the way he found there. He wanted to bring them, both men and women, back to Jerusalem in chains. As he was approaching Damascus on his mission, a light from heaven suddenly shone around him. Let me tell you what another version says. It says a lightning flashed. It says a light flashed. Suddenly there was a flash of light. Around him, say lightning. He was approaching the master. A light from heaven suddenly flashed or shone down around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. And the voice replied, I am Jesus, the one you're persecuting. 
Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. The men with Saul stood speechless, for they heard the sound of someone's voice, but saw no one. Saul picked himself up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he was blind. So his companions led him by the hand to Damascus, and he remained there blind for three days and did not eat or drink. This guy had an encounter with God, and he fasted three days. So when, when, the, when the lightning of God flashes, when the lightning of God hits you, it totally transforms your life. From this one encounter with bright light, say, God is light, and in Him there's no darkness. When God's light hits you, invades you, you're transformed. Paul became a missionary for God, started many churches. He did great works for the Lord. Many miracles, signs, and wonders were done through him. The Bible even says, or people even say, or you can read the books that he wrote. There's like seven to 14 books of the Bible that Paul wrote because he encountered Jesus. Look at the person next to you and tell him, you might be going down the wrong road. In one moment, one flash of lightning from God, and your entire life will change. Where your life was unfruitful. You were doing nothing good for the Lord. One encounter with the Lord will transform your life where you'll do great exploits for God. Who's ready for that? Who's ready for a brand new season of the things the Lord wants to do? Can you say hallelujah? I need to find this other scripture really quickly because it's coming to mind. And I think you should hear it. It's in the book of Revelation. Go to Revelation chapter 4. This is John on the Isle of Patmos. He has this encounter with God and the Lord begins to show him some things. Chapter 4, verse 1, he says, Then I looked and I saw a door standing open in heaven. And the same voice I had heard before spoke to me like a trumpet blast. And the voice said, Come up here and I will show you what must happen after this. Look at the person next to you and tell him, When God speaks to you, He's going to open doors for you. And He's going to show you things to come. Who wants to know what the Lord has in the future? He's going to do it. It says, And instantly I was in the Spirit, and I saw a throne in heaven and someone sitting on it. The one sitting on the throne was as brilliant as gemstones like jasper and carnelian. And the glow of an emerald circled his throne like a rainbow. Twenty-four thrones surrounded him, and twenty-four elders sat on them. And they were all clothed in white and had gold crowns on their heads. And this is the verse I want you to read. From the throne came flashes of lightning and the rumbling of thunder. And in front of the throne there were seven torches with burning flames. And this is the sevenfold Spirit of God in front of the throne. In front of the throne was a shiny sea of glass, sparkling like crystal. And so I want you to know that from the throne of God comes thunder and lightning. You're going to have lightning. Say lightning. lightning. 
Say flashes of light. When it's a dark night and lightning flashes, for that moment you can see things in the flesh. Is that true? And that's what it is when God speaks. He speaks and it's like flashes of lightning that you see things that you've never seen before. And then after lightning comes, thunder. So it's seeing and hearing that you're going to experience in the Spirit. What else does the thunder do? The thunder shakes the ground. There's a shaking that begins to happen on the inside of you to make way for what God wants to do in your life. Are you with me? And so in that meeting, and I'm closing with this, when that fireball hit me and the lightning hit me, I went home. I didn't know what happened. All I know is I screamed and I fell down. But when I got home, on Monday morning I woke up and I knew things that I did not know before. And for, on a, for three months, every morning I woke up and the Lord was talking to me. The spirit of wisdom was talking to me every morning for three months. I woke up and I knew things that I did not learn. I didn't go to Bible school for them. No man taught me them. When that flash of lightning hit me, it got deposited in my spirit. Has anybody downloaded a big file from the internet? You download the file and when you click open... There's images, there's sound, there's a video that plays, and it's a whole bunch of information that you watch unfold over time. And that's what it was like. It was an impartation. It was a download of information and wisdom in that moment. Think about this. When a woman gets pregnant, there is a seed that goes into her that produces a brand new life. That's what it's like. It's an impartation where God comes to the bride and he implants something on the inside of you for you to birth in the earth for him. Anybody got clean hands and pure hearts? Do we have any virgins in the spirit that God can use to birth things for the kingdom of God? Men can raise their hands on this one because in the spirit there's neither male nor female. It's an analogy. It's a metaphor. It's metaphorical. Taser face. And for three months, I wrote out a vision. And the Lord, in those three months, He took me through the Bible, and He showed me how He led the Israelites out of Egypt, through the wilderness, and into the promised land. And over the last 15 years, the Lord has really helped me understand that journey on how to bring people out of sin, not knowing God, being orphans, being bound, being broke, being busted, being disgusted, being just used for the devil and bring them into the kingdom of God, get the wisdom of God imparted into you and your life produce results for the kingdom. I've walked this journey. I know how it works. And that's become my ministry. This is what I do. And what we're doing this weekend is we're bringing you to the place where you come to hear from heaven so that God can put stuff on the inside of you about what he wants to do. But none of this is possible until you surrender your life to him. Where you say, God, I'll go where you want me to go. I'll say what you want. I'll do. But you really mean it. And you're willing to give up everything for him. Not leave your wife. 
We just want to make that clear. You're not getting a different one. And after the three months of the Lord working with me, and I wrote this vision out, I had another encounter with the Lord, October 29th, 2007. I just felt such an urgency that the Lord wanted to talk with me. I went home. I walked into the house. I threw my hands in the air. I said, God, I'm here. Uh, Whatever you want, God, I'm your man. And I went into another vision. I went into another encounter. And that's when the Lord called me to start the church that we've started. And then the Lord imparted another piece to my wife, Misty. And that's when the youth centers began to launch. And so over the last 15 years, we've built that business side. And now in this season, last year, the Lord sent us to launch in South Africa. And now this year, the Lord said to me, go to Kenya and build over there. He said, I'm, and this happened at the men's conference just three weeks ago. I was sitting in the men's conference and the Lord spoke to me right in worship. I was just sitting there. The presence of God came on me and I began to weep. And the Lord began to flash faces of kids in front of me. And I knew they were orphans in Kenya. Immediately I knew it. And the Lord said, I am gracing you and your wife to become the mother and the father of my orphans in Kenya. And I will raise them up to places of influence, even to the office of president. And then I saw like in a fast forward motion that what we build in the nation of Kenya in the next 10 years will become a national model that will be duplicated in other nations. And this is what I'm talking to you about, family. In 2007, when the Lord spoke to me and unlocked all that stuff on the inside of me, we had to make a decision that we were going to step out and do what the Lord told us to do. It meant that we had to walk away from some things, and it meant that we had to lay down our lives, and it cost us a lot in that season. But we didn't care the price because we wanted to be obedient to the Lord. And here we are 15 years later. We've completed what the Lord told us to do, and now He's unlocking the next season in line with what we've already done. But if we were not faithful to do what He told us to do the last 15 years, we would not be stepping into what we're stepping into today. Are you with me? And I believe that in this house, God wants to raise up multimillionaires in this house that are going to fund the building of youth development centers in the nation of Kenya. I'm not looking to anybody. I'm looking to the Lord. And if, if God said what you build in the next 10 years will become a model that will be duplicated in other nations, that means extreme wealth has to come into the hands of God's people for this thing to be built. And I know, I know in my spirit, when we came back from South Africa, the Lord spoke to me and he said, launch kingdom business. Pastors Mike and Selena launched the kingdom business. We're, you know, just stepped out, figuring it out as we go. But that's what the Lord said. And I believe this weekend and coming into this year, the Lord is going to start speaking to you about certain things. And as you're obedient to take the first step, then he'll tell you what the next step is. And it doesn't always come with a whole picture. He'll give you a flash of where you're going, but then you have to walk it out step by step by step. There's ministries that are getting ready to birth this weekend. There are businesses that are getting ready to birth this weekend. Oh, marriages. You're going to find spouses. You're going to find all kinds of things according to God's plan for the next season. Can you say amen? Put your hands down. 
some crazy people in this building. You want from me? You're going to have to get through Missy and I if you want to date Havana. That's all I'm telling you. We're dangerous. We've got eagle eyes. Especially Misty, she'll look at you like the, with the eagle eyes. And she'll know what you're thinking. Can you say amen? So do you understand what God wants to do? And let me say this too. This is not some icky-weaky stuff. This is not all spiritual stuff. Every revelation that you get from heaven has to have practical application. Look at the person next to you and say, Revelation must have practical application. So when I get revelation, I get the wisdom of God. And the wisdom of God produces a long and satisfying life and riches and honor. If, you're not, if it's not producing life, riches, and honor, then it's not the wisdom of God. Are you with me? Because that's what the wisdom of God will produce. And a lot of people want to get stuck in, oh, God spoke to me, and God spoke to me, and I had another vision, and I had another dream. But their lives are a mess. And we can't get caught up in some heavenly place. God has got work on the earth for us to do. Can you say amen? And so, yes, go to your upper room, get your encounter with God. But then when you come out of your upper room, it's time to get to work. It's time to do what God said. Amen. And so we're going to slap you out of the pie in the sky and we're going to ground you in reality and we're going to start building for the kingdom. Can we say amen? amen? And listen, I know when I first started having encounters with the Lord and the Lord started speaking to me, I became like that teenager with testosterone. Like nobody could tell me anything because I heard God. But that's why you have spiritual mothers and fathers to help you grow in that thing so that you understand what to do with it. Are you with me? And that's why I ask you when God speaks to you, come and talk to me about it. And don't try and interpret with your natural mind what God says in the spirit. Because you'll come up and don't go ask five people, what do you think this, what this word means? Every person will give you some other opinion. And don't be prophesying to people unless you bring them to me and I hear what you're talking to them. If somebody wants to prophesy in the parking lot and lay hands on you, say, you keep your ugly hands off me. Well, let's go see my pastor. You can go pray for anyone at your work, anywhere else. But on this property, we have order. Can you say amen? And we don't need some crazy person off the street coming in here and telling you stuff and you believe it that doesn't line up with God. And we've got the secret service getting established here. Snipers and stuff that take you out. Have you seen the big man God has started bringing around the church? Have you seen the guy's guns that they have? I'm just warning, warning the people watching. Can you say amen? Did you get anything out of this morning? All right, some practical stuff. Stand with me. One of the last things that the Lord showed me this morning that I need to share with you is 
When Blade was five years old, I walked by his bedroom and I was praying for him. I was standing in the doorway. He was sleeping and I just started praying for him. And while I was praying for him, the Lord showed me that when he was 12, getting ready to turn 13, that a crown of wisdom would be placed on his head. That I, I knew from what the Lord showed me that when Blade was turning 13, that he would already start stepping into the wisdom that God had for his life. And so what I want to pray over parents in here is that the Lord would begin to show you the wisdom that he has for your children and your grandchildren's lives. So that you can begin to speak God's destiny over them. You see, because let me tell you this, every child has got foolishness and rebellion bound in them. And you have to work with your children individually and you have to get the wisdom of God for each child. Can you say amen? You have to deal with each of your children uh, differently according to their personalities and who they're called to be. Paige, that, that, she's bold. She'll look you in your face and tell you stuff. When <laughs> she was part of... Club Pure in a group, she would go to her counselors and tell them they weren't doing their jobs right. Boss them around. If you don't do what I say, my parents will fire you. She went to, she would always correct her teachers in the classroom. We had parent-teacher meeting, and your daughter keeps correcting me at the wrong times. In front of the whole class. We just want to beat her. She would do the most crazy, daring stuff. I have story upon story of Paige. And you could shout at Paige and she wouldn't flinch. You could beat Paige. She might shed a tear, but she didn't care. How do you tame something like that? You need the wisdom of God. Can you say amen? But the thing is, you don't want to break her spirit either. See, because what God, who God created her to be, she needs that personality so that she can function in her gift correctly. And if, we'll, if you break the spirit and you, you destroy that part of who she is instead of developing it and directing it the right way. I'll tell you a quick story and then we'll be done. Uh, maybe I'll have her share it tonight. But she got pulled over by the cops two days, three days ago. She went to a Holy Ghost meeting and she got drunk. She'd been getting drunk every night. She's getting whacked by the presence of the Lord. She's having visions. She's having encounters with God on a regular basis. God is breaking her heart for the nations. This is what you're seeing now. But you didn't see the last 18 years that we had to raise her. Oh, you have such amazing children. How did they find the plan and the will of God for their lives? You don't understand the work that you have to do as a parent to raise your child. You can't give them an iPad and expect them to grow into the fullness of God. You can't ignore the stuff. You have to discipline them. You have to correct them. You have to teach them. You have to train them. Are you with me? So she got whacked in the meeting. 
And so she wasn't paying attention. It's like midnight. She's just worshiping in the glory realm. And she was driving like 15 miles over the speed limit. Woo! She got pulled over. And when she got pulled over, she said she couldn't stop laughing. She said her joy went to another level. And she was in the front seat crying, laughing. So the deputy rolls up to the window. And she rolls the window and she's just cracking up. And she's apologizing to the deputy saying, Deputy, I'm so sorry. I went to a Holy Ghost meeting and I'm drunk in the spirit and I can't stop laughing. Not something you want to tell the deputy. You're drunk in the spirit. What is drunk in the spirit to somebody who doesn't know God? So the deputy gets her license, registration. He, he doesn't know what's going on with this girl. And he just gives her a warning. Well, he goes to his vehicle, and then he comes back to her, and he says, how do you pronounce your last name? And she said, Curry. And then she said, has anyone ever told you that God loves you and has a good plan for your life? And the officer said, the deputy said, no, nobody's actually ever told me that. And then she said, well, if you died today, are you sure you would go spend eternity with God in heaven? And he said, I'm not sure if I'd make it to heaven. So she said, would you like to be sure? He said, yes. She said, well, close your eyes and pray with me. So he said, I'm on duty right now. I'm standing in the road. I can't close my eyes, but I'll pray with you. So she leads him to the Lord, and the minute she leads him to the Lord, the joy hits the deputy, and he is crying, laughing in the middle of the road, him and Paige totally blitzed by the Holy Ghost. Now, if we had broke Paige's spirit, she would not have the boldness to look at a deputy that's about to give her a ticket and lead him to Jesus. Can you say amen? amen? So if you're a parent up in here or a grandparent, I want you to raise your hands to heaven. This is with kids at home that you're still raising and developing. And then even if you have kids that you need to, they need adjustments, we'll pray that the Lord give you the wisdom too. Amen. So Father, I thank you right now. Your word says in the book of James. Chapter 1, verse 5, that if any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. And Lord, this weekend you said wisdom is more precious than rubies and nothing that we desire compares to it. Lord, you said wisdom is the principal thing and that we should get it. And with all our getting, we need to get understanding. God, you said that if we will search for the wisdom of God and tap into the wisdom of God, that it would bring a long and satisfying life, God, that it would bring riches and honor to us, that all our ways would be satisfying, Lord God. Lord, we, we are walking away from our own wisdom, from the wisdom of man. And we're looking to you and you alone because only from your mouth comes wisdom. Man knows how to do all kinds of great things, but which man knows where to find the wisdom of God? It's only through you, Lord Jesus, that we can access the books of life that were written for us and about us before the foundation of the world that contain all of your thoughts about us, Lord God. And Lord, I ask 
I ask for each and every one of us in this place that you would pour out your wisdom upon us, God. Give us eyes to see, ears to hear, and hearts to know what the Spirit of God is saying. Lord, I ask specifically that for every parent, grandparent in here, God, that as they pray for their children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren, even future generations in their family line, Father, that you will give them visions and you will give them dreams. You will show them, Lord. Father, even as you showed Abraham when he cut covenant with you, what future generations, 400 years later, what would happen in their lives. Father, I thank you that you will give us eyes to see and know things that are in your heart concerning the end of days for our family line, Lord God. And Lord, that we would be able to prophesy them and speak them into existence and pray in line with them, God, preparing the way for our children and grandchildren to step into your promises and your blessing, Lord God. Father, every assignment to steal our children, every assignment to derail them, every assignment to pull them off in a direction that you have not ordered, Lord God, Father, tonight I ask that you would assign ministering angels, Lord, to keep them on track, Lord God. Lord, every assignment against them to bring destruction, I thank you they'll have victory in every single one of them, Lord God. Father, I ask that you would pour out wisdom upon us, Lord, and how to raise our kids as individuals in the sight of God. And Father, we declare that our children will graduate, our grandchildren will graduate. Knowing the call and the plans and the purposes of God for their lives. Because they've encountered you. They know you. They've already seen it in dreams and visions. Father, I thank you that gifts will unlock in our kids. The prophetic gifts and the working of miracles, Lord God. I thank you for healings, Lord. For just using our children in ways they've never imagined, Lord God. I thank you, Father. I thank you for our kids. Thank you for the kids that are in our centers. I thank you for all the orphans we're going to reach in the nations, Lord God. That you just give us the wisdom on how to raise them. To know you and serve you. In Jesus' mighty name. Lightning rods up. Father, I thank you. Let lightning strike. Even as you struck the Apostle Paul. Even as you struck me, God. And imparted wisdom and revelation and understanding about my life and what you have for me. Let it be poured out in this house in a great measure, God. And I thank you that you're going to raise this house up. Oh, with wealth to build the nations, God. Even as Solomon. Oh, we're going to build the kingdom. Say, wisdom builds, and I'm going to build with wisdom. In Jesus' mighty name, you say amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.
nothing more precious than you. I can't help but lift up your name. You are the way, the truth.